Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In the victim's own words, I woke up to him dragging me by the ankles through this field and he dropped my legs. I heard him walk off and heard his car door slam and him drive away. I realized I couldn't scream and I couldn't figure out why. I had just enough strength to throw my right hand on top of my neck and that's when I felt this gaping wound. And I looked at my hand and it was full of blood. I was eight years old. I was just left to die in a field. I'm Nicole. I'm Ben. And this is Wicked and Grim. A true crime podcast. Warning, the following podcast contains graphic content and materials intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. We are. And it's, guess what? The last episode before Christmas? It is. It is. So Merry Christmas. Happy, happy holidays, holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Um, Whatever you choose to celebrate. If you we don't just wish you well. If you don't celebrate shit, happy Tuesday. Happy we don't celebrate shit. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Just happy whatever. Happy. 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 Oh, in, in the words of Ren and Stimpy, happy, happy, joy, joy. Mm. There we go. We over here celebrate Christmas, so we will be doing that. So Merry Christmas to everyone that celebrates that. Yeah. Hopefully you guys are all ready for the holidays, whether it's just downtime or not. Hopefully you're not trying to get uh, things done last minute. I know a lot of like people me. are. <laughs> Fair enough. I am not ready for the holidays. I'm going to admit that. Well, a big conversation I had at work today with a few people was how crazy people are. Oh, literally nuts. Like running red lights cutting people off, just short tempers, getting angry. I hate that part because it li- of the holidays. The saying is it's the most wonderful time of the year, but I actually don't agree with oh, that. Oh, no. At I, all. For, like, for many reasons. This is like the time people get most depressed. Yeah. It's a terrible, terrible season for yeah. that. I feel like our Christmas is going to be fairly chill. Like we don't have a lot of things going on. So I'm kind of into that. Yeah. But I'm also worried I'm not going to get my work finished in time. So we'll see. But You will. You will. But you know what? It will be waiting for me after the holidays. Fair enough. So there you go. And uh, do you know what? What? We've got patrons. We do. We always have patrons to thank because people are just freaking awesome. We do. We, we were literally like people suck and now we're like <laughs> people are awesome. People suck except you guys. You're different. Yeah, you're different. <laughs> you're all amazing. <laughs> Trust us. You know what we mean when, when we say people suck. We mean the general population. You guys aren't general pop. You guys are cool. Um, but we had some people sign up for Patreon this week. Who did we have? 
Well, I am going to butcher names because I swear people make it harder on us each time on purpose. Sometimes I wonder. Um, but I'll do my best. We had Tamara Nicole. Okay. Doreen awesome. Manassas. Nice. Moreland Riedel. Awesome. Leanne Woodruff. Wonderful. And Ashes. Love. All sign up for Patreon this week. Amazing. Thank you so much. We actually super appreciate that. We do. And even if you don't, Head over to Patreon, sign up for whatever reason. Even if you just don't want to, money-wise, we don't care. You're here, and we appreciate the shit out of that, too. We sure So do. thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Yeah. I think we just had one more thing we wanted to mention. We also want to thank people for our YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, we posted that Casey Anthony video on YouTube. It's doing well. It is. And uh, we got, like, I think as of right now, it's like 6.4. Thousand um, views? Yeah. So 6,400 views right mm-hmm. now. And it's only been up for, like, seven days. So Which that's is really, awesome. Considering we only have five videos on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I'm pleasantly surprised. We got to start posting more on there, I think. So we do. So yeah. Thank you guys so much for showing us that, that love over there. And if you haven't watched yet, go watch it. Links down below. You'll see our lovely faces. You will. If you don't know what we look like, <laughs> surprise, I have a beard. Yeah. And you can go see it. People, lots of time, we've gotten it. People don't really necessarily think we look like what we sound. And yeah. I'm not sure if that's a compliment or an insult. I don't know. So, <laughs> although there was a comment on our video, you can tell that they're Canadian. Oh yeah, shit, yeah. we don't hide that at all. Fucking a rights, bud. I people can know I'm Canadian like in a fucking minute. <laughs> oh fuck yeah, bud. Like literally thirty seconds. <laughs> She's Canadian. Fucking rights. Anyway, <laughs> wow. So today we have no, but I am drinking whiskey. You are actually. So today we're sharing. Um, we will be sharing Jennifer Schuett's story. Now, trigger warning. As I mentioned in the intro, the story does involve a little girl who is eight years old, which is real shitty. Yeah. But I'm going to be nice and tell you right off the bat that this is a survivor story. So you may want to stick around to find out how incredible this little eight-year-old just is. I'm, I know this is not going to be a fun one, but I'm also very anxious because I want to hear the story. And I'm super pumped that it is a survivor story. Well, yeah. See, like, if it was an eight-year-old involved and it wasn't a survivor story, it would just be shit, right? Yeah. Like, I know we're going to go through some depressing shit here. Oh, yeah. But I know the light at the end of the tunnel. So I'm, like, looking forward to getting to that light part, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So on August 9th, 1990 in Dickinson, Texas. (laughs) Dick. Dickinson. (laughs) Dickinson, like Charles Texas. Dickinson. Yeah. <laughs> Jennifer Shewitt was home with her mother, Elaine. Elaine was a single mom, but she was doing everything she could to make sure that Jennifer had a good childhood and didn't miss for anything. And Jennifer, even though at that very young age, understood what her mother was trying to do and what she was trying to give her, which I'm like, that's impressive. That is awesome. It sounded as though they had like a really good relationship, which I love. Love it. it. In one article I actually read, it was like they were the, each other's everything, which is so cute. Uh-uh. So cute. That is. So Jennifer, like a lot of children, especially at that age, was afraid of the dark. I can't blame her. I mean, I, I'm kind of afraid of the I dark. I still am. I w- Okay. I'm going to admit something here. Mirrors in the dark. Mm, yeah, you freak hate that. Stuff fuck out of me yeah you hate it yeah so when i go to the bathroom in the middle of the night that light is getting switched on or i do not make eye contact with the mirror <laughs> i like talk to myself in my head like it's okay it's okay it's okay and i walk by it really quick i mean even outside like in the dark when i get home and i'm ru- and i'm 
from my car to the house, like I almost sometimes feel like running like shit. Yeah. Like, ah, I mean, it takes away one of your five senses. Oh yeah. Right. You can't see very well. And there's this, this saying that I heard not too long ago, actually, it's uh, that you're not afraid to be alone in the dark. It's that you're afraid you're not alone in the dark. Oh, that's it. Yep. That's terrifying. Isn't it? Holy shit. I haven't heard that. That's fucking horrifying. And that nails it. It does. And I hate that. Oh, gosh. Now I don't know how I'm going to get through this. <laughs> okay. So being that Jennifer was going through this phase, she would often sleep with her mom in her mom's bed. Mm -hmm. But this particular night, Jennifer was particularly restless. And since Elaine had an early shift at work the next day, she really wanted to make sure that she had had a good night's rest. So she asked Jennifer if she could sleep in her own bed for the night. And Jennifer said that she would, adding... Because I love you. Wow. I know. She, Way to tug at the heartstrings. She is Holy like a shit. little sweetheart. And I just feel it's kind of rare at that age to kind of be showing your parents like appreciation. So it sort of just shows like what an absolute gem she is. I think so. And I don't know if I'd say it's rare. I like I think a lot of younger kids do show that love and appreciation. I think it's just how they show it. I guess, To be able to yeah. show it on the level that adults generally communicate it mm -hmm. i think that's that's pretty rare it almost just seems like she understands what her mom is like i don't know if sacrificing is the right word but doing for her yeah which is really cool she has that compassion yeah so elaine kissed her daughter goodnight and jennifer headed to her room where she turned on her lamp which was shaped like a light bulb that she just loved so much because it lit up her entire room and she didn't have to be afraid of the dark in there Wait, right like the lamp itself was shaped, was shaped like, like a, a big ass light bulb. Okay. So it was like a light bulb in a light bulb. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was weird that you described that the light was shaped like a light bulb. Well, it was, I don't. It took me a second. It was like, I, I have a picture in my head, but it was a lamp that was shaped like yeah. a light bulb and it was super bright. No, I, I got you now. I, yeah. It took me a second. So I had to clarify. So after spending some time reading, Jennifer was able to fall asleep. Now, fast forward to the following morning as Elaine was waking up for the day. Within minutes, she realized that something was horribly wrong. She hadn't heard anything unusual during the night, nothing that woke her up. But when she went in, into Jennifer's room to check on her, there was no Jennifer. Her bed was empty and her bedroom window was wide open. Fuck. Like that is not something a parent would ever want any parent that would be your whether it's your actually worst the fear. case yeah that's that's where you're immediately going and you're like no because whether they were stolen or like the kid just kind of like snuck out somehow or got out like mm -hmm. that's fucking terrifying 100 percent. so elaine Im immediately contacted the police but by then some of the worst things imaginable had already happened to her daughter jennifer had woken up in the middle of the night and she was no longer in her warm bed, but in the arms of a man who was running away from her home. Wow. Jennifer had no idea who this man was or what he was doing with her. As she went to scream and get the attention of anyone who may be awake at this time, the man realized Jennifer had woken and clamped his hand down around her mouth and her nose before she could even make a noise as they approached his car. He stuffed her inside, making her sit on his lap, and sped away from her home, her safe place. But Jennifer wasn't going to make things easy for him. 
She kept struggling to get away from him until he shared with her that he was actually an undercover police officer and he was actually taking her somewhere her mother could come and pick her up again. Bullshit. That doesn't even make any sense. But like she's a little eight-year-old girl, right? But she's still skeptical here. Well, I mean, he's throwing out like you can trust me. Any little kid who are the, who can they trust can they the trust? police? They trust the police, right? Yeah. So that's what he's doing, right? Right there, he's trying to gain her trust with the first person a little kid could it's trust. So disturbing, and I wonder if he even like had that plan. Well, I don't. The whole thing really wasn't planned, so he was just throwing out shit to try to make her calm the fuck down. I guess probably. Right. I bet you if he planned it, he would have had like a fake badge or something because little kids know cops have their badge, yeah. right? And and she'll ask about this here, so. So Jennifer believed him, at least enough that she stopped fighting to get her way to get away from him. But she was a bright kid, and something about all this just didn't sit right with her. She kept question or asking him questions, like where they were going and what was going on. And eventually he pulled into a dark parking lot outside her elementary school and killed the engine of his car. He told her that this was the place where her mother was going to come and pick her up. And he even let her get out of the car while she like waited for her mom. Mm -hmm. Jennifer stood there in the dark watching this man trying to figure out if she should be afraid or just believe him. She knew that undercover police officers didn't wear uniforms, but she had no idea why an undercover police officer would take her from her room in the middle of the night. And she didn't know if she believed that an officer could drink while he was on the job. And that is exactly what this man was doing. She's definitely bright if she's thinking. Of I know, because like, like that. she's literally eight. Yeah, like that's I don't know. She she blows me away. Like that's just the icing. Well, not that's just like the tip of the iceberg. Wow. Okay. So, so she's really like analyzing this. Like, yeah. Thoroughly. Like just you wait, dude. So Jennifer pushed him a little bit more, asking him to prove that he was really a police officer, but the man only told her that his name was Dennis. That was enough for Jennifer for a while, but then she wanted more proof that he was what he said he was. She asked him where his gun and his badge were, and Dennis told her that they were in the backseat of his car, and she could actually see them if she knelt on the seat beside him and had a look. Jennifer still didn't know if she believed him, but she wanted answers, and seeing his police badge would at least tell her if he was a real policeman or not, right? Mm -hmm. So she got back in the car and looked at the back seat. But that was when Dennis showed his real face and Jennifer got the answer she was dreading the most. Wait, his real face? Was he Like true a colors. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. So Dennis then dro drove just a few blocks away. It was a dead-end gravel road, road and he pulled off into an overgrown field. Jennifer at this point was panicking. Dennis then had a knife held a knife to Jennifer's throat and said, am I scaring you, little girl? Am I scaring you? Fuck. Like, that's enough to give you goosebumps, eh? He attacked Jennifer both physically and sexually. He choked her, tried to break her neck, viciously raped her, slit her throat open, all before dragging her by the ankles through a field and leaving her for dead. Fuck this guy. Oh, Holy yeah. shit. He is the epitome of like a nasty motherfucker. Oh, beyond. Beyond. 100% beyond. Like when you first started describing uh, his assault on her, like 
beyond disturbed and then having the audacity to continue and do those things. And am I scaring you, little girl? Oh, yeah. Like, holy fuck, you are. Like, obviously, you're scaring her, you piece of shit. Yeah, well, he's getting off on it is what it is. Yeah. Like, like it's very disturbing. Oh, fuck. Like, it's so disturbing that people like this exist in the world. Yeah. Oh. So once Dennis left the crime scene without being caught or even seen, he was essentially getting away with a truly terrible crime. He had no connections to Elaine and Jennifer. He'd just seen Jennifer through her bedroom window and sensed an opportunity. And unfortunately for so many people, his moral compass didn't lead him away from taking it. So he he just happened upon seeing her through her window. Yep. That's it. Yeah. Really? I See, I was assuming since he took her specifically to her elementary that he would have seen or known. Well, I think it was to. like a relatively small town. Yeah. Okay. But it could have been like the only elementary. I yeah. didn't look up that. Or just so happened to be the one nearby or whatever. Yeah. Right? But I was, so. I was thinking there was something to that. But okay. Just yeah. coincidence then. So when he'd sliced Jennifer's throat and left her body in that field, he was killing the only witness to his crimes essentially guaranteeing that he would get away with it. But that morning, as it became light outside, though by just a thread, Jennifer was still holding on. Fuck yes. She remembers not being able to move her body. She tried to lift her head, but couldn't. As she went in and out of consciousness, every time she would come to, she was in absolute disbelief that she hadn't died yet. And this is coming from an eight-year-old girl. Yeah. Wow. She laid there that entire day. It was right before dark when Jennifer, she could hear kids playing a game of tag in the field. She was in when one of them actually tripped over her foot and she was discovered. Fuck. Yeah. Like just brutal. Brutal. No kidding. Most people in the community were already aware that a young girl was missing. So people and law enforcement were on the lookout for a child matching Jennifer's description. But I don't think anyone could have been ready to find what they found in that field that day. Oh, I, have, I don't think so. No. Could you imagine? Oh, wow. Well, wow. and you know, it wasn't even touched on like the kids that found her, like how traumatizing for them. No kidding. I mean, Jennifer, it's like much worse her trauma, but like. She would not have looked well. Oh, no. Right? No. So the only the only thing that they would have is the only consolation to it is that she lived through it. Yeah. But wow, okay. Sorry. My head's just going a million different places with this right now. I know it's very sad. So Jennifer was covered in blood, her body abused, and covered in what looked like a horrible rash. But when first responders got to the scene to start cornering it off they were in disbelief that she was still alive she'd actually regained consciousness all the way back when dennis had dragged her across the field and somehow she'd kept it together and realized that her best chances of surviving this was to play dead so as he's dragging her 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 throat's like slit she's playing dead holy she shit. didn't make a sound she didn't even move when he dumped her body on top of a fire ant's nest and then drove away. And those two things pro are probably what saved her life. If Dennis believed she was alive, I imagine being the scum piece of shit that he was, he would have finished the job. 
right? Oh, yeah. And can we just talk about that for a sec? Because sure, we it's probably kind of obvious that playing dead is your most likely um, survival point in this. But I don't even think many adults would think to do that necessarily. Well, let's just assume everyone would think that, okay? Okay. Just for the sake of this conversation here. Now tell me, you are conscious being dragged through a field. In immensible pain. Slit throat. Terrified as an eight-year-old. Mm -hmm. And you have the whereabouts to control your fear, your pain, to play dead. Yeah. Like it's like she is a hundred and ten percent like a badass of the day. Oh, no kidding. I can barely hold back tears if I stub my toe. I know. Yeah. It's it's unbelievable. Wow. And it gets even more unbelievable. Like it really does. This this case is is mind blowing to me. It's mind blowing. Okay. Well, well continue to blow my mind though. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I am going to. So as I was saying, her playing dead saved her life, in my opinion, very much so. And that rash that was all over her body was actually a whole bunch of fire ant bites. Mm -hmm. So Jennifer said that whenever she started to fall asleep or lose consciousness again, the fire ants would bite her and wake her up. So doctors believe that those constant bites throughout the night had kept her body producing adrenaline and kept it from giving up from the loss of blood that she was suffering from. Mm -hmm. Which is like, wow. Yeah, wow. Indeed. Wow. Like if he would have just left her in a spot that didn't have this antness, like she would have died. Yeah. That is just mind-blowing to me. But back to when they found out that Jennifer was still alive in the field, the investigators rushed Jennifer to the hospital, still not really thinking that she was going to survive, considering how much blood she'd already lost, and that she'd been lying in that field for about 14 hours. Holy shit. Yeah. But Jennifer was determined not to make this easy for Dennis. He'd somehow managed to miss all of her major arteries. He had sliced through her vocal cords. But even that wasn't enough to stop Jennifer from telling everything she could remember about the man who kidnapped and assaulted her. She was, of course, terrified of most men, especially the officers who came to speak with her and were guarding her room, right? Mm -hmm. Being that he said he was a police An officer. officer. Yep. But once they gave her a pen and a pad of paper, Jennifer made sure her voice was heard. She told them what had happened. With her only being eight years old, she didn't even really understand what rape was and what exactly Dennis had done to her. But the amount of details she was able to remember is quite incredible. I'll start by touching on his name because I think it shows just how determined Jennifer was to make sure that she told the police everything. Because in her notes, Jennifer spelt his name, Dennis, D-I-N-N-E-S-E. -N -N -E -E. She was too young to even know how to spell his name correctly. And through trial and error, she managed to communicate his name with the police without being able to say a word. Wow. She was able to describe his car to a T, the cover, the dent on the side of it, that there were beer cans in the car and what kind of beer it was. Holy shit. And the brand of cigarettes he was smoking. Wow. Like she just remembered all of this. Was his name, I, you're probably going to touch on this, I'm sure. 
Did he give his real name? He did. He did. <laughs> what a fucking idiot. Good. Yeah, it is good. good. I think regardless of that, they would have. We'll touch on that. Okay. <laughs> and on the top of it all, she sat down with a sketch artist and through her pen and her pieces of paper, she described exactly what Dennis looked like. Wow. Yes. Like amazing. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm sorry, but I don't know if I sat down with a sketch artist tomorrow. I don't know if I'd be able to describe them what you look like. I'm, I've been married <laughs> to you for over a decade. I know. Like, honestly, it's just, it's kind of, it's unbelievable i don't even know how to describe it but how like she's eight years old that's incredible like absolutely yeah, incredible like there's she, there's no words that can describe how someone can have that consciousness to put all that together in a situation like that when you're scared to death at the age of eight yeah like holy fuck i know i know i'm i'm blown away so the police and the media made sure that the sketch of Dennis was put up everywhere, but unfortunately, the case still went cold. Oh, dang. Really? Mm-hmm. Jennifer had to live with the terror of knowing that Dennis was still out there somewhere. And if he came for her again, she wouldn't even have a voice to scream with. But that eight-year-old girl was determined to make sure that Dennis got what was coming to him. One day, when she was still in her hospital room, Jennifer cleared her throat and she managed to make a sound. Fuck, yes. Her doctors were amazed. Dennis had sliced all the way through her vocal cords. And her doctors didn't think there was any way that they would ever heal again. But Jennifer once again proved them wrong. Fucking go Jennifer. I know, she's badass. It's no unbelievable. Shit. Slowly... But surely, she kept working at it, and she got her voice back. And her, in her own words, she s likes to think that she hasn't stopped talking since. <laughs> Which is a good thing, because she'd have to stay stronger than most people ever have to be for another 18 years. That was until a new detective, Tim Cromey, took over her case and told her that he was determined to make sure that the man who did this to her was finally brought to justice. 18 years 18 later? 18 years later. Holy fuck. Which is awesome. I assumed this guy was going to get caught within months. No, unfortunately. Wow. Okay. No. So he began the huge task of trying to piece all of the evidence together 
after almost two decades of no breaks in the case. Mm -hmm. But in that time, DNA technology had come along in leaps and bounds, and something happened that blew this case wide open. Fuck yes. So at the crime scene, there was pieces of clothing left behind. Mm -hmm. I think there was um, some of Jennifer's underwear, like a t-shirt, his, his, the asshole's underwear, and his shirt or something. Okay. So using some of the clothing that had been found in that field, the investigators were able to extract a sample of her attacker's DNA. They sent it away, and it took some time, like I think about a year, to get results um, being that this was an old case, it wasn't really like top priority, right? Yeah. But eventually they got a hit yes. from the database. Yes. That hit came back from a man, Dennis Earl Bradford. He was convicted in 1997 for kidnapping in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and sexually assaulted a woman he met at one of the local bars. He was sent to prison and it was from the sexual assault that his DNA was put into the national database. At this time, however, Dennis was living a somewhat normal life in Arkansas. He was allegedly living with his wife and three adult stepsons and was a welder. I hate that. That just like disturbs me. That he was a welder? What are you going to Not that welders? he was a welder, <laughs> that he's just like living a fucking oh, no. normal 100%. life. And even without what he did to Jennifer, the other shit that he had done. Oh, yeah. How the fuck is he just living a normal life? Imagine like, being sorry. his wife and and his, his being part of his family and then finding out this shit. Yeah. Like I met you live with this would fucking they have, piece of shit for Would how they long? have known any of it? I doubt it. Highly doubt it. Yeah. So the local police department pulled Dennis over on a traffic stop and arrested him on a warrant. Now, I'm going to ha have a glimpse into how the questioning of Dennis went. It was conducted by Detective Tim Cromie and FBI Special Agent Richard Renanson. So, agent said, you ever heard the name Jennifer Shewitt? Dennis said, yes. He told them that he rem remembered the story and seeing signs back in the Dickinson, Dickinson area. What am I, I just wrote Dickinson. What the fuck does that even mean? Well, that, that's the, the town. Right? I know, but I should have said like, I don't know. I worked. <laughs> so he had seen signs back in the town of Dickinson about her being abducted. And he said that he prayed for her. I'm sure he fucking did. So the agent then said, did you ever have occasion to come in contact with her? And he said, yes. He then asked, tell me about it. And Dennis said, no. And apparently the way he said no was enough to send chills up your spine. Like very just no, like no emotion kind of thing. I'm surprised he admitted anything. Honestly. I know that he even knew the name. Yeah. Yeah. So the detective then said, you don't want to talk about it? And Dennis said, no. The detective said, is there a reason why? Dennis said, you did your homework. The agent, you're right. We did do our homework. And then the agent said, if you're remorseful about this, people need to hear that. And the detective said, there's two sides to every story. It was explained to Dennis that he needs to provide all the details of the attack so Jennifer could have the closure that she needs after all these years. 
and Dennis did crack. He said, not a single day goes by where I don't see that baby. There is no other side to the story. She was an innocent, and I was a sick, deranged, beat-up, little fucking punk. He also described himself as a savaged animal. The interview went on for some time. He told detectives that he didn't know why he attacked Jennifer or why he'd done anything that he'd done to her all those years ago. And he completely broke when the detectives told him that Jennifer had actually survived the attack. Had told them his name and managed to help a sketch artist put together a sketch of him that almost exactly matched the picture of Dennis's driver's license from the time. He could not believe that Jennifer was still alive. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just like that detective said, there, there's two sides to every story here. Yeah. First and foremost, Dennis, lowest to the low, absolute fucking scum. Mm-hmm. And I don't say this about many people, at most people who commit crimes like this. However, I will give him props for realizing how fucking scummy he is, for realizing what how f- disgusting what he did was. Yeah. And having compassion towards what he did. I know. It's actually amazing because kind of how the interview was going, I didn't necessarily expect it to go any other way. Yeah. So- because like most people would deny, 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 go to court, not guilty. Like, you know? Yeah. And it sounds to me like he, yeah, I did this and I was fucking disgusting for doing it. And, and I he's, think he's right. He had been carrying it for too long that it almost like he needed to get it off his chest. And even after the attack, I don't have it in there, but he had um, tried to kill himself. So, I mean, like, he know he knows that he did something yeah. really wrong. So I feel for him for that, but that doesn't change what he did. No. And the fact that he got to live 18 more years and had two more victims that we know of. Yeah. Right? There's probably more. Yeah. So his arrest was like lifting a weight from Jennifer's shoulders. She now knew that they had him. That he confessed and all that was left was to take him to court for sentencing. And Jennifer was going to make sure that she did her part to get him sentenced to the full extent of the law. She spent hours going over her witness impact statement and getting ready to face Dennis in the courtroom, which was set to take place exactly 20 years to the date that Jennifer was found in that field. The exact wow. anniversary, 20 really? years. Really? Yeah. Holy shit. Sometimes but, the universe just does some fucking I know. shit to you, hey? I think that they had a say in the, the date choice because like he was going to plead guilty. So they could pick a date and they wanted to pick like the anniversary date, mm. which is kind of, which is neat. Yeah. Um, but Dennis still had one more card left to play and he played it. He was found dead in his cell one morning. He'd hung, hung himself during the night, robbing Jennifer of the chance to tell him exactly how she'd been affected by the things that he had done to her. Being the incredible human that Jennifer was, She was still determined to say her piece and not let Dennis also take this away from her. So on August 20th, 2010, the 20 year anniversary, she still decided to read her impact statement out loud beside Dennis's grave, telling him everything. 
Holy shit. With, I know, and there's a photo of this. It's just like, wow. Within it, she said, this is just part of it. You chose the wrong little 45-pound eight-year-old girl to try and murder. Because for 19 years, I've thought of you every single day and helped in searching for you. In my heart, I knew you were out there, alive, either in prison or living a lie. And now I know, listening to my heart, my heart all these years and never giving up on finding you, I was right. When she finished reading through, she questioned whether he'd be hearing her. But in that exact moment, a fire ant bit her leg. And she took that to be a sign that he finally knew just what he put her through and what she'd survived. Wow. Are you okay over there? Yeah. Um, I honestly think that uh, his suicide says so much. I think that alone says that he knew what he put her through and he, mm. he couldn't face her. It's not that he couldn't face the prison time. I think it's that he couldn't face what he had done to her. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think that he took the easy way out there. Yeah, definitely. So. Wow. So all that was left for Jennifer to do was to officially start her new life, free from the shadow that Dennis had cast over it. But there was something that she was still struggling to do, and it was all Dennis's fault. Against all odds, Jennifer had survived the assault and getting her throat cut. She fought the odds and got her voice back, and she'd been able to move on with most of her life, and she was even happily married. But the damage done to her body at such a young age during this assault had made it so that she would never be able to have her own children. She became a mother, didn't she? This was something that Jennifer was on the brink of accepting when a doctor saw her story on the news and reached out to her, volunteering his services. Dennis's actions that night made it so that Jennifer wouldn't be able to give birth naturally. But through treatments and another big batch of determination, Jennifer beat the odds again and now has two children of her own. Fuck yes. Yeah, a little girl and a little boy. You could look at the story and say that Jennifer is one of the unluckiest women in the world. She was stolen from her bed, kidnapped, assaulted, and left for dead. Or you could look at it from a totally different perspective. She'd been left on that anthill, something that probably kept enough adrenaline in her system for long enough that she was able to be saved. She amazed doctors and medical staff by defying the odds. She survived. She got her voice back. And last but certainly not least, despite all the things he'd done to her, she was able to start a family of her own. In a statement she gave to the press, she said, I am not a victim, but victorious. Something that very few people that have gone through what Jennifer has gone through even have the opportunity to say. To this day, Jennifer has become a fierce advocate for other crime survivors. Hell yes. Major badass of the day. I know. Like she's an incredible human being. No kidding. And that that little uh, irony moment of that fire ant biting her on the leg that last moment too yeah that's that's something yeah i feel like that's definitely the universe saying something for sure 100 100 so, um yeah. 
I do. I do think that the just like that detective did say that there's two sides to this story though, and I do feel. I know he's not the good guy, but I do feel for Dennis in this case. How, dude? Because he he's a fucking horrible person. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. However, I think he realizes he's a horrible person and is very remorseful for that. Doesn't mean he's a good guy. Doesn't mean he should be forgiven. Doesn't mean he didn't do this absolutely horrible shit. And I do have a feeling that he, if he could take it back, he probably would. Oh, yeah. I do think so. I mean, there was a, I think it was 48 Hours, did mm-hmm. a documentary on this, which we'll have a link um, to because it was really well done. And it shows clips of him in being interrogated, right? Yeah. And like there's other clips on the internet too where it shows when he found out that she was alive and it was just like, like re- he was relieved. And like yes. he was, cr- after he found out, he was pretty much like crying the rest of the fucking interview. He's still scum of the year. He still is. Don't get don't get me wrong here. Um, and I'm so happy for Jennifer. Her story is absolutely incredible. It's amazing. There's just that one little piece, and I just kind of want to make sure I mention that is all it is. But honestly, like, how could he have lived with himself? Like, I think there was it came just came back to me actually. There was times where he had thought about confessing, but he like wasn't brave enough to, basically. Yeah, well. If you re- if you were to do those sort of things, okay, let's say he good and evil side of him, okay, he mm-hmm. was evil and he turned good. How difficult do you think it would be to face that evil side of you and admit to people that that was you? Mm-hmm. You even said he tried to commit suicide previously. Basically, right after it, yeah. But I sometimes wonder if there's more to it because it seems so weird to me that this was just like a completely random attack. I think you would have said. I 100% think he would have said like, if it wasn't. What the fuck kind of person are you though? If you're like, so she lived in like an apartment building and like you're just cruising around and then you see this light and you look in there and you see a little girl and then you're just like, fuck, I'm going to go take this little girl and then I'm going to like rape her and like pretty much leave her for dead. Like, cause they were like, there's two sides to the story and he's like, not a single day goes by where I don't see that baby. There is no other side to the story. She was an innocent and I was a sick, deranged, beat up little fucking punk. So he's like, there is no other side. Like I'm a piece of shit. Yeah. So I do just want to say, I don't want anyone to misconstrue what I've been saying about, uh, about Dennis. I just want to make sure that people understand. I think it's just worth talking about. That's it. I'm solely with Jennifer on this. She was a fucking badass. She was the one who was taken advantage of and fuck Dennis. Mm -hmm. However, it's just worth that discussion. Yeah. Because most people don't have remorse. Usually they have remorse if they were caught. Mm-hmm. And I think. And honestly, in a lot of cases, they don't even when they're caught. Yeah. And I, I think Dennis had remorse prior to, like you said, even because his suicide attempts. Mm-hmm. He's a so, shitty fucking person. Yeah. But he had that shred of humanity. Mm-hmm. But. But yeah. we do need to end the podcast about Jennifer because yes. like yes. he was fucking incredible. I cannot even think of. I don't know, just what she went through and the fact that she's like a mom and like goes on to advocate for people and got through all that is is literally mind blowing to me. And like like we were talking about playing dead through all that pain. Is that what amazes you the most? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because when you when you come out of unconsciousness, 
it's you're confused right mm -hmm. it's like waking up and you're not in bed and it's like what's going on you see that in the octagon when guys are fighting in the ufc and stuff they'll oh, get yeah. knocked out and they stand up and all of a sudden they're wrestling the referee because they think that's the opponent they don't remember mm -hmm. even getting knocked out so she would have just regained consciousness but still had the wits about her to fight her pain fight her fear and just play dead yeah against every instinct in her yeah. body it's on it's incredible and then still remember all that shit the yeah. details i can't believe that she like remember and he had a scar on his face that she remembered like one of the oh gosh who was it was it the detective the special agent i can't remember but they said they had never seen like uh what's it called composite drawing is that yeah, what it's yeah. called so close to what wow. the actual person looked like, which wow. is, and this is coming from an eight-year-old who, when she was doing this, was like in in pain. She was on drugs. She was tr uh, like traumatized and probably not able to speak. So she's not able. She's writing still, down yeah. the details, and she still made like this picture look so much like him. Yeah. So shout out to the artist for that one too, because I'm sure that was not an easy task no. for them as well. No, they. I think they were actually in that documentary, and yeah, that was. That was challenging, but yeah. they had ways and stuff to try to make it as helpful yeah. to for Jennifer as possible. So Jennifer, fucking badass. Total badass of the day, of the freaking end of the year. Yeah. <laughs> for eternity. Well, well done. That was an awesome episode. Yeah. Love to hear the survival ones. I know. That's my uh my holiday gift to you all. <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible gift, but it's better than it could have been yeah. if I if she had died or something, right? So. Yeah. Um, so if you guys want to check out some more of our social links, all in the description below, we've got the YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, you name it, all down there. Even Patreon, if you want to support us there. If not, it's totally cool here. Just listening, we appreciate that. So thank you for being here. And stay wicked. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.